0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log is sponsored by Mack Weldon, quality essentials for men. Take 20% off your first order at mackweldon.com when you enter the promo code Mission Log at checkout.
1: Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, episode 335 The Adversary. <laughs>
0: Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken
2: Ray. And I'm John Champion. The mission of Mission Log is to watch Star Trek, to analyze Star Trek, and to talk about Star Trek. Does the episode hold up? What message is it trying to impart? Does it stand the test of time? This week, The Adversary, the one where
0: Sisko gets promoted to captain. (laughs) What a pip. Also, there's a shapeshifter trying to ruin everything. Like, seriously, start a war, ruin everything. John's got trivia coming up in a bit, but first.
2: But first. But first!
0: I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with us. Mission Log Pod is the address to find us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we would love to hear your voice. 323 522 5641 is the phone number to call. 323 Our email address is missionlog at roddenberry.com. Our show website, including Discovered Documents, is at missionlogpodcast.com. And please do remember, we may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. John, there is a misconception out there that I do not enjoy trivia. There's a misconception wow. Wow. out there that I don't. And I know it's one that we propagated throughout the throughout the years of doing this sure. show. It's a bit. It's a thing we do.
2: It's a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, some, and I, I feel bad if somebody sends an email and they don't get the bit, because I don't want to be the guy who has to explain a bit to anybody.
0: Well, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Trivia was John's bag. That was the thing. When we started this show, I remember, actually, Rod's like, so who's going to edit? And I'm like, I got that. <laughs> because that 's mm-hmm. what I did and do yep. and whatever and uh, and you 're like uh, i 'll do trivia," and I thought, "Great, but out loud <laughs> I said, because you know it 's a bit and so uh so at least this one time, let me just say, while I will be doing something else while you do trivia i I will at least be listening with half an ear
2: oh that that is uh, a christmas miracle <laughs>
0: well it 's heartfelt john it 's heart it comes yes. from uh that well, comes from somewhere.
2: Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> Trivia for this episode, The Adversary, or The Adversary. The episode was written by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert hewitt Wolf, two guys who need no introduction because they are deeply entrenched in the d- DS9 writing and production staff. Now, fun fact here, uh, Robert hewitt Wolf did indeed have the Kazenti in mind when he named the Zekethi? Did I get that right? Uh, well, first of all, Gesundheit. You're welcome, Thank <laughs> you. All right.
0: second Zikethy. Uh,
2: Zinkethy or Zinkathy, because I've heard it so many ways, but anyway, this is not a direct copy. He, he just thought the Zinkethy would be reptilian, uh, but he really liked the slaver weapon, of course, uh, from the animated series, and he liked the names, so this is little, uh, his little tribute there. Now, you may be asking yourself. Wait a second, we're at the end of a season of Star Trek. Isn't that the rule now, ever since uh, TNG, that we get a cliffhanger at the end of the season? Well, the writers wanted that. Uh, Rene Echeverria, in fact, had an idea about how the founders had already made their way to Earth, uh, so we would have actually spent time there, we would have met Cisco's dad, gone to his restaurant, but Paramount, for some unexplained reason, said no. To a cliffhanger. Maybe they were hedging their bets. Maybe they weren't planning on renewing. Who knows? But with one week to go before pre production was to start on this final episode of season three, a new script had to be prepared. One that kept the elements that they liked, something about changelings, something about paranoia. So they whipped this one together in a week in order to close out the season. Now, this episode was directed by Alexander Singer. He, of course, has been with Trek since 1992 when he directed Relics on TNG. handful of episodes on TNG, a handful of episodes here on DS9, then ten more on Voyager. He, of course, directed so many cool shows uh, with episodes of Mission Impossible, The Monkeys, The Man from UNCLE, Lost in Space. Star Trek is the wrap-up of his directing career. Hey, a new prop makes its TV debut here. The new Phaser Rifle. Now, our friend Jim Martin designed it, and it was, in fact, the very last of his design work to go on Star Trek. Uh, he, of course, moved on to do feature films right around this time. He was working on The Phantom, so that is his last contribution to Star Trek and the design world. He did give this prop a detail that had been missing for so long, a trigger. Yeah, if you look at a lot of the uh, hand props, the phasers, they didn't have triggers on them. And it was uh, supposedly kind of difficult for the actors. They didn't have an action to do. They just sort of pointed the prop in the general direction (laughs) that the beam would go. But this time, you actually have an action for the actors to do a trigger. Who would have thought? Let's talk about some practical and some uh, optical effects here. Well, you have some practical effects in this episode, like those glowing fiber optic cables, Done on the cheap, well, not dirt cheap, but uh, at least done visually where you could contrast that with all the morphing effects on the changeling. So you have all this uh, uh, stuff that's infiltrating the system of the Defiant, and they literally just took fiber optic cables. And I love this, that they used a color wheel, just a simple color wheel like you might see on a 1950s Christmas tree to give that glowing and, and kind of uh, uh, pulsing effect in those lights. But then, on the other hand, you have these very complex morphing effects uh, that they actually ended up doing more for this episode than they had done at all previously on DS9. It was very complicated, not only because it's expensive to do those effects, but you have to choreograph the actors around what the effects will be in post. So even at the end of the season, they had officially wrapped. They'd sent everybody else home. But our two changeling actors and the crew, and at least the special effects crew, had to stick around to keep shooting the final and the effects versions of that fight scene to hand off to post-production. Now, we also have a new set here, a new engineering set, which was very expensive. And uh, not only very expensive, it's a set that is not easily converted into anything else. So basically for this episode, they bought themselves a new standing set, which is uh, not exactly the kind of thing you do at the end of a TV season. What you do is you do something like that at the beginning of the season so you can amortize the huge cost over the rest of that season. But, hey, they found the budget to do it, and it is indeed a glorious set. Now let's talk about guest stars really quickly. Of course, we say welcome back to Kenneth Marshall as Michael Eddington. And uh, hey, we meet a Bolian who is definitely not a barber. You know, though maybe he wishes he was, and maybe he was one in his uh, you know, in his youth. He is played by Jeff Austin. Now, uh, Jeff has the usual compliment of TV guest roles and actually a lot of features under his belt too. Like uh, LA Confidential, Rocky IV, Armageddon, and others. He will show up on Star Trek again. He's got a guest spot in an upcoming episode of Voyager. Now, we also meet Admiral Krajensky, or do we? Krajensky is played by Lawrence Pressman, who we met once before when he was playing the Cardassian Gamor on the episode Second Skin. He was well known to TV audiences at the time of this episode for playing Dr. Canfield on Doogie Hauser M.D. Of course, his career goes way beyond that with features that range from 9 to 5 to American Pie to Shaft the original with Richard Roundtree, and TV appearances like Mad Men, Boston Legal, and all the way back to Hawaii 5 and the Bob Newhart Show. We will see Lawrence back again as Gaymore in later DS9.
1: The guys seem to be having trouble today. Perhaps they should try this speech exercise. The Zen Kathy was keen for Kazenti that was lean. All together now, the Zen Cathy was keen for Kazanti that was lean. The Zen Cathy was keen for Kazanti that was lean. Very good.
0: Prologue. Benjamin Cisco is recording his final commander's log. Not because he's leaving, because he is being promoted to captain. It's congratulations all around, including from Ambassador Krajensky. The ambassador has to confide, though he's not here for Cisco's promotion. He's here because of a problem with the Zenkathi. Reports of a coup on the Zenkathi homeworld. While the old government won't be missed, they're not sure who's in control now. Starfleet wants to remind the Zenkathi that it will protect Federation colonies on the border of Zenkathi space. Cisco is to take the Defiant that way. Show the flag, if you will. Heck, Ambassador Krajensky will even come along to observe and to check out the Defiant. Speaking of which, O'Brien is beefing up the Defiant systems. He wants to make sure that if the Zinkethi give them trouble, they'll be ready. And that unexplained, unidentified noise O'Brien hears while he's working? That's probably nothing. Act 1. Cassidy Yates is still on Benjamin's mind, though that could just be because she's on Dax's mind. Dax really wants those two to get together. This conversation interrupted by their arrival at the Defiant. Senior staff's all there, plus Ambassador Krajenski and Commander Eddington. Systems go, lights green, and it's off to the Zinkethi border. Working away in a Jeffrey's tube, O'Brien hears another unexplained noise. This one's explained, though. It's Julian Bashir. He was... connecting a thing to another thing... He wanted to put his engineering extension courses to work, and besides, he knows O'Brien is busy. Not too busy to check Bashir's work. When the doctor's gone, O'Brien checks the thing Julian was connecting to the other thing. Far as he can tell, it looks good. Elsewhere, Captain Sisko has orders for Commander Eddington. If push comes to shove with the Zinkethy, Eddington is to escort Ambassador Krajensky off the bridge. Keep him out of harm's way and out of everyone's way eddington agrees says he wishes he was captain then he goes to do non-captainy things 12 hours from the zincathy border it's bad news from one of the border colonies they are being attacked at least they were communications break off can't be reestablished odo says they're gone act 2 Unable to reestablish contact with the colony, Cisco says he must assume that the Federation is at war with the Zenkethi. They'll keep heading that way, though, and let Starfleet know what's going on. They'll also hail the nearest Federation ship, except... No, they won't. Communication breakdown. Though O'Brien says everything should be working fine. When he and Dax check it out, what they find is something O'Brien has never seen. Something mechanical but that seems to be spreading through the defiant systems like a parasite, attaching itself to key points. Oh, and protecting itself? Whatever it is, is behind a force field. O'Brien wants to check other command systems, and surprise, not good news. Just as with communications, command, internal sensors, transporter, deflector shields, almost every critical system is being infected, and all are now behind force fields. O'Brien will keep working to get past those, while Cisco tries to figure out how this happened. O'Brien can help a tiny bit there. Whoever brought this stuff aboard placed it after Defiant left DS9. He ran systems checks before they left, and whatever's infecting the ship wasn't there then. There's a saboteur on the Defiant. Vax says it could be any of the 47 people aboard, though O'Brien thinks it might be Julian Bashir. He did catch him connecting a thing to another thing in the Jefferies tube. Sisko wants to confront the doctor, though Dax has a better idea. Whoever planted whatever it is would have to have been exposed to tetrion particles. They'll scan everyone. Whoever tests positive for the particles, that's the bad guy or gal. A few people in, and O'Brien, Dax, and Sisko are totally surprised when Julian comes up clean. He's bothered by the implication, and no, he was not in a Jeffrey's tube the other day, connecting anything to anything. Next for the scan, Ambassador Krajensky. though barely has his scan begun when he shapeshifts into a bunch of goo and escapes through the ceiling. There's a second changeling on the Defiant. Act 3. That changeling gets to work quickly. No sooner has it disappeared than the Defiant is cloaked, weapons are primed, and the ship is barreling towards Zinkethi's space. Sisko tasks Odo and Eddington with finding the shapeshifter. Yeah, that's a no-go. I mean, they try, but they fail. It looks like the Dominion is trying to start a war between the Federation and the Zenkethi. Major Kira thinks his and Kathy are doing a good job of that on their own, though Sisko points out that what they heard from the colony may have been faked by the saboteur changeling. In fact, this whole mission may have been orchestrated by the Dominion. Ambassador Krasinski may never have even made it to Deep Space Nine. Everything he told them may have been a lie, leading them to now, a runaway war machine headed for an unsuspecting target. If they can't stop the ship, they may start a war themselves. Hey, here's more fun. There are 47 people on the Defiant. There are five in this room. As far as anyone knows, anyone else could be the changeling. Time for everyone to be confined to quarters, and no one is to be left alone. Paranoia is running a bit high. Eddington would like Odo to take a phaser, though Odo won't have it. No changeling has ever harmed another, he doesn't intend to be the first. And besides, he's never had to fire a phaser. He doesn't intend to start today. This big bundle of foreshadowing interrupted by a call from Chief O'Brien. He needs security and engineering right away. When Eddington and Odo arrive, they find O'Brien tending to an unconscious Dax, apparently knocked out by the changeling. Bashir says she'll likely be out for hours, which means O'Brien will have to regain control of the ship without her help. And if he can't, well, Cisco doesn't want to start a war with the Zenkethi. If it comes to it, they'll have to destroy the Defiant instead. Act 4. Here's the plan We are using the buddy system. Teams will fan out and shoot up the ship. Phaser rifles have been set to a low enough power to not damage the ship but totally mess up a changeling. Also, any of us could be a changeling, so everybody, stay with your buddy. And if you see anybody without a buddy, escort them to the brig. Kira's walking around, shooting the ship with some barber. Odo and a sweaty, messy Eddington are doing the same. Odo doesn't sweat, and no, he can't get inside the head of the other changeling. While it makes sense that Odo should be able to think like one of his kind... He confesses to Eddington that he does not understand his people that well. Cisco and some unnamed yellow shirt are knocked around by the changeling, so now they know where it just was. Cisco is in pursuit, though. He's by himself now, so that'll be fun. He stumbles into Kira and the bullion. They got separated for just a moment, so now they each think the other one is the changeling. They're joined by Odo and Eddington, each coming from opposite directions, proving that these people really don't understand how the buddy system works. Also, anybody could be the changeling. Anybody, that is, except for Sisko. He's dripping blood on the floor, and that blood is staying blood. If a changeling was standing there apparently bleeding, the blood that hit the floor would change back into changeling goo. So, they'll do blood tests. Here's the problem, though. The guy drawing the blood, Dr. Bashir, he's not Bashir. He's the changeling. He palms the sample from Eddington, replacing it with a sample from the changeling, something no one realizes until they see the real Bashir trying to get out of a room in which he's been held captive. The changeling Bashir, who they've been walking around with, escapes into the ceiling as the bridge hails Cisco. The Defiant is entering Zenkethi space. Act 5. Bad news from Kira. They're 12 minutes away from a Zenkethi settlement, where it's assumed the Defiant will open fire, starting a war between the Federation and the Zenkethi. With 12 minutes to avert disaster, Sisko and Kira set a 10-minute self-destruct on the Defiant. There is a bit of good news... O'Brien thinks he can defeat the force fields set up by the Changeling, though the rest of the ship's force fields will come down as well, maybe even the one around the warp core. His work is not interrupted, but slowed by the arrival of not one, but two Odo's. Either one could be the real Odo, though O'Brien says he doesn't have time to play Choose the Changeling. He has a yellow shirt, keep a phaser on both Changeling, and blows the force fields. With the game nearly up, the Ambassador Krajenski changeling changes back into a sort of Ambassador Krajenski founder, Then he and Odo fight. He makes Odo one last offer, link with him, and the two changelings can escape. Instead, as if foretold earlier in the episode, Odo kills the founder. Not before the founder whispers a secret in Odo's ear, though. With control of the ship regained by O'Brien, self-destruct is disabled. Their suspicions are confirmed. There was never a coup in Zankethi space. No attack on a Federation settlement. The real Ambassador Krajensky has either been kidnapped or killed. No one knows which. And bad news from Odo. He shares with Sisko and the others what the Krajensky changeling told him right before he died. He said... You're too late. We're everywhere. Stay cool. Have a great summer. The end.
2: Wait, wait, the, the changeling said have a great summer?
0: Oh, no, no. I was just joking about the fact that this was the end of the season. See, oh, okay. uh, we're, we're gotta, done. Gotta... Enjoy your summer and come back for more of this.
2: Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. By the way, that that's what uh, the real Krojanci was doing. They said that he was on his way for, like, an extended leave on Risa. Yeah. He was going to be there for, like, uh, like a month or whatever, and you just come back, and and Krojanci's just no good for anybody at that point.
0: I feel like you spoiled it in trivia, because I actually wondered, okay, so would he come back, and they'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, no, this is the real one, or would they be like, no, you're a changeling one, but you're saying the the, uh, the actor who plays him comes back as a, as a Cardassian.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, Kardashian we met before.
0: Yeah, yeah. do you think Krachensky then do you think he's dead or kidnapped? Um, it doesn't matter not, apparently, but I'm just curious what you think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with dead. Right. I mean the, the the founders just don't seem to care. No. You know. They <laughs> they, yeah. they
0: don't. You know, they they care, but not about the things that we care about.
2: Right. Like like people.
0: Yeah, like that, yeah. for example. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Um Man, at the beginning of the episode, of all those people assembled to congratulate Captain Sisko, uh, I'm surprised Lita isn't in there because, I mean, she's best friends with Dax. She hangs out with everybody all the time. Right. You yeah, know. it's a little
0: surprising. It's a little surprising.
2: Yeah. Um, Chateau Clion, that's some old champagne because uh, Quark says it's from the year 2303. Um, and this, of course, takes place in like 2370 something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is some old champagne. Did I tell you about the, the champagne that Rod had? that his dad got as a a gift on the set of next gen it might have been like the end of season one and they gave him a magnum like a giant and maybe more than one and and maybe it was a magnum and a nebuchadnezzar just like a huge like something you would serve a hundred or more people Mm -hmm. and uh, he had kept it for all those years and then rod had it after his father passed away rod decided to open it up and I'm telling you, champagne has, like, um, at the most, about a 12-year lifespan. Oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, from from the from the date of the vintage year. Oh, So, like, yeah, if you've got a bottle of, uh, you know, 2009 Dom Perignon, you pretty much want to go ahead and drink that.
0: Wow. See, because I, I, I would have made the same mistake that Rod made of assuming that uh, it got better with age, like nope. wine. It tastes
2: like vinegar. Tastes oh, like nice.
0: Vinegar. That's great. Yeah. Well, you could cook with it.
2: Oh, no, no? <laughs> no, not even that. No. Really? Don't okay. not that at all. Wow. wow. That's
0: so no. sad. That reminds me yeah. of horrible stories from my own past.
2: Oh, <laughs> and you're going to tell them all now.
0: No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll save those for, uh, for when I'm drinking some 58 year old champagne, maybe.
2: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, uh, first of all, it's a good thing that changelings can not only look exactly like their mark, I mean, Odo's bad at looking like a humanoid, but he's great at looking like a mouse or a rock or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but this guy looks like just like Admiral Krasinski. He can totally pass. Uh, he can sound like him and like a, like Bashir when he wants to look and sound like him and know enough to just, you know, totally get along.
0: Yeah. OK, now here's where I have an issue. So the okay. two Odo's are fighting in the engine room, right, or engineering. Mm-hmm or the engine room, whatever, near the warp core, where O'Brien is. And they're like, remember the last time we went kayaking, you had soup or something. And (laughs) And lamb stew, which, yum. Yeah, eh, if you like lamb. Um, (laughs) And then the other one's like, yeah, but you forgot your fork. And I'm like, okay, both of those are really like like... What's the word I'm looking for? Granular. Granular bits of trivia about the last time they did something. It, or yeah. is O'Brien just walking around going, geez, so you know what happened? I, I was kayaking with Odo, who's right over there. I mean, it was just like blabbing the whole thing. Like, oh, we had lamb stew. And it was great I mean, because everything's great because it's all replicator food. Yeah. But I forgot my fork. And apparently forgot that I could replicate one.
2: Yeah. So there, there's two things really wrong with that. First of all, if you're in a hollow suite and you're having lunch, you can't forget a fork uh, because <laughs> you, you literally say,
0: can't forget a fork.
2: You literally can't. You're like, hey, computer, make me lunch. Right. Uh, we create a picnic basket and, and it's got, you know, the, the napkin in there right. and the plate and the right. bowl that's holding the food, you know, yep. and the computer is not like, oops, I forgot a fork this time. No, it's already in the recipe. It's already there. Unless Miles O'Brien has his lucky fork that he's got to carry with him, which I don't think he does.
0: See, I was going to say, if you forget a fork and you're just eating with your hands in the uh, in the uh, (laughs) hollow suite, you actually have not forgotten something. You have serious neurological issues that need to be addressed by a professional.
2: Yes, exactly. It's not like
0: you forgot to bring a fork. You forgot fork.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Right. Yes. All right. Now, here's the other problem with that conversation, because he says, yeah, you had the lamb stew. And then the other one says, well, uh, and you forgot your fork. Anybody could have known that about the lamb stew. How? How could anybody have known that?
0: That's what I'm saying. It's because it's O'Brien's a loudmouth. Either that or Odo's a loudmouth. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how he can eat that lamb stew. Of course, I don't know how he can eat.
2: <laughs> i'm just a changeling i don't understand those things. i'm a yeah. dumb
0: changeling who can't ingest unlike uh unlike uh admiral uh ambassador excuse me krujensky just down in that champagne that really horrible old champagne oh
2: terrible terrible yeah. old champagne Not
0: maybe replicated. they hold it in suspension though
2: Oh, okay, okay. Because, see, right. there's the thing. Yeah.
0: Like, like, twenty-three oh three may have been a fantastic year for champagne. So fantastic that people are like, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to put this in the transporter buffer.
2: Oh, just like Scotty,
0: just like Scotty, exactly. Yeah. We'll put him. Yeah. Yes, we'll put it in the trans, just Except we won't lose this one. Well, right. we'll know we're doing this. And uh, I'm sorry, transporter three is no good for anybody because <laughs> we got guess. some. We got some really good wine. Yes. Oh no, the wine you'd want to leave out. Got some really good champagne. Mm-hmm.
2: We're just storing it in that transporter buffer.
0: I I like that. I like that idea, honestly. Yeah.
2: Uh, When they arrive, or uh, at least when they're on their way, uh, Cisco says, I I haven't been here since the last Federation Sinkethy War. And being here brings back memories, most of them bad. Yeah. (laughs) What? Uh, Holy. Okay. First of all, you're just introducing a whole new thing now just uh just a new thing like we already we already know the central tragedy of cisco's life which is you know the borg killed his wife he was in this (laughs) battle this terrible and they're like oh yeah now let me tell you about that other war that i was in that leaves me with painful scars
0: yeah yeah Yeah. i'm actually wondering so the battle of wolf 359 right
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: the zenkathie war uh, the uh, uh, Planitia Utopia shipyards—is that what they're called?
2: Uh, Utopia Planitia, yeah. The
0: Utopia Planitia, yeah. Planitia shipyards uh, designing yeah. the Defiant. Yeah. I, I can't tell whether uh, Cisco is Howard Hughes or Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, he could be Zelig, which oh. would actually work with the whole you know changeling thing. Except it wouldn't really work because of the whole changeling thing.
2: Yeah. Gosh, yeah. that's true. And then he gets an assignment at DS9. Like, if anybody needs a month at Ryza, it's it's Cisco. Yeah. So. No, no,
0: no, no. Put him on so, the front. Yep. Well, okay. it's not really. That's the thing, though. It wasn't the front. See, that's they, he really. Yeah, I don't want to rewrite the show. Yeah. <laughs> more than we normally do as long as we're here yeah um really the the second they found out that that was going to be like a like a like a like a battle place right Mm -hmm. oh i forgot though he's named the emissary so they can't really move him
2: oh yeah
0: should have been like an honorary commandership or something and then put somebody because he has been through a lot
2: Yes, yes, he has, uh, and by the way the the important things that we know about the Zinkethi, uh they live on the planet Zenketh in the Zenketh system. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna say they probably all live in Zenketh City. They drive a late model Zenketh, and they eat Zenketh for breakfast <laughs> that's that's Star Trek that's right certainly
0: so, Well, you see, I would yeah, think yeah. that uh, they the Zenketh would probably eat Kazinti. For breakfast
2: yeah, they might yeah they might. That, that yeah might by the oh, way thank you yeah. thank you very uh, much welcome. it's a,
0: it's, yeah. it's cat but with a taste of fish
2: yes oh yeah. so good yeah that's deep fried um I, i'm glad you mentioned this in the recap we're, we're gonna sweep the ship with phaser fire <laughs> yeehaw let's just <laughs> right. you guys you got guns let's shoot them <laughs> right. hey everybody get no 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 not not the little ones get the big guns get the ones that are that are rifles. So yeah. we've,
0: uh, we, we've set it, so it won't break our stuff. Yeah. But don't get in the way.
2: Except for that one moment where uh, it's the second time that uh, the changeling escapes up through a, a ceiling vent or whatever, and you see Cisco fire that way, and it's just a gash in the bulkhead yeah. at that point. Yeah.
0: Well, here's, here's the other thing, and I don't want to—I mean, certainly Jim did fine work on the uh, on the phaser rifle. Mm-hmm. How is this working exactly, though? So you, you shoot down a corridor. Yeah. And you don't hit anything. Right. And that somehow is going to flush out a uh, a changeling who has like, turned himself into part of the corridor.
2: No, exactly. Yeah, he's stuck to the wall at that
0: point. Right. Yeah. But 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 so. you're shooting straight past that wall. Yeah. I mean, is yeah. it just supposed to scare him? <laughs> is
2: that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: well, right? I know. i got to get out of here. Yeah. That's live fire.
2: Uh, so now, uh, when in doubt, by the way, another Star Trek thing, just set the ship to self destruct. And when in self destruct, just hope the rest of the crew are on board with your decision. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: what's really interesting to me is normally they say, okay, we've got 10 minutes, and they spend about 25 minutes doing whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they set it for, uh, they set the self destruct for 10 minutes, and they called down to O'Brien, and the computer's like, uh, seven minutes what that was like 10 seconds What's... yeah yeah by the way the... chief you may want to check the timer on these things when we're done because that felt quick
2: yeah yeah it did um and i, I love he, he's down in engineering i love how o'brien says to the incentive give the warp core a wide berth when it like dude you are literally you're sitting right you're as close to that thing as i am to my computer right now
0: yeah yeah that
2: is right behind you the word's
0: Warp core breach uh, usually come about three seconds before the ship where they're spoken explode. Yeah. Yeah. Or explodes, I guess.
2: Yeah, uh, it, is, exactly. it is
0: kind of funny. It's, it's, it's his gift for understatement, O'Brien. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Exactly. And, and O'Brien tells Ed Ensign, keep the phaser on both of them. Yeah. Cut to... The guy not keeping the phaser on both of them and getting tackled very easily by the uh, by the changeling.
0: Well, you really can't keep the phaser on both of them, though, can you? He should have called for somebody else. I know he's got to move. He's trying to. Well, yes. Okay, back and forth, back and forth. I get that, but still, probably it would have been good to or just stun them both. Just shoot them both. It's fine because they'll wake up. It'll be okay. I assume there's a way to stun them, although it may take a while to stun the changeling, and then yeah while you're busy stunning the one, yeah, the other one's just, like, you know, shape of an icicle, and then stabbing you.
2: I deserve like, stun them both, and you mop them up, put them in a bucket, and throw them behind a force field. You're good. You're good. And then let them fight it out. Um, Hey, so when the changeling is dying, and all that skin is flaking off, we saw that similar makeup effect uh, with Odo before. It was really creepy and really dramatic, you know. Um, Does it still use a lot of mental energy to make sure you're forming your changeling clothes around you because his skin is flaking off but like he's got clothes but then those are flaking too i'm just wondering it's like uh, i'm dying but but not with the indignity of being naked in front of you you know Yeah.
1: yeah if you gotta go go in style speech exercise number two cisco was a reliant captain of the defiant all together now Cisco was a Reliant, Captain of the Defiant. Cisco was a Reliant, Captain of the Defiant. Very good.
0: We'll confront the adversary in a moment, but first a word from Mack Weldon. Modern Men's Essentials. Uh, I'm I'm sporting more Mack Weldon today, John. Some Mack Weldon that people can see, some Mac Weldon that maybe people, I mean, they can see it, but not on me. Um, yeah, this is a, for people who are watching the video, uh, patreon.com slash mission log. Uh, this is my Mac Weldon hoodie, which I've said before is my go to hoodie um, because it's just so comfortable and it, it's just warm enough, you know, because yeah. I've got one that's like a I've got a lined hoodie that I can wear for about an hour when I first wake up or something. And it's like, OK, I got to get out of that. Um, yeah it's just it's a, it's a it's a very comfortable, it's a very stylish thing and uh, and I think the same can be said of, of just about everything they have
2: yeah uh, that that is no lie and, and in fact uh well, well Ken, you said it in the intro there uh, as a modern man myself who needs essentials um I, I just hoping to get to a point where every day of the week i've I've got uh, a different Mac Weldon option to choose from I, I'm a big fan of their socks and their underwear, equally so. Uh, though I use them differently, I will say that. Uh,
0: <laughs> as well yeah. you should, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I have said on uh, on an episode of Mac OS, Ken, and I may have said it here as well, what I'm a huge fan of is when you come across a product that you immediately know that what you've got is quality, right? And uh, and I would say that that is the case for the Mac Weldon product. I am a huge fan and it's weird to talk about underwear, I know, but I'm a huge fan of their underwear. All incredibly comfortable. And um, I like the range of colors as well. Uh, I have I have pinot. I have orange, which is not <laughs> called orange. I believe it's called rust or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the colors are descriptive, uh, but uh, who cares about the descriptiveness of the colors? Um, uh, just the comfort and, uh, and the styling uh, uh, makes it well worth it in my estimation. And can I say really quickly as well, I had a friend of mine one time uh, when I was uh, talking about Mac Weldon. Uh, she is not a man, and she didn't want to hear about modern men's essentials. And I said, "But you're married to a guy who might." Yeah. So, I mean, it may sound—you may think that buying underwear for somebody for Christmas or for any holiday or for anything is, you know, something that moms do for kids or something you used to do a long time ago. Listen. You know the guy in your life better than just about anybody. Trust me. This this would be a thing. They may look at it and go, really? But then they'll try them on and go, really?
2: Yeah. Yeah, the, the quality is apparent. And uh, no lie, you and I are both absolutely fans of Mac Weldon products because they, they live up to the hype. And let's face it, life is too short to have bad <laughs> underwear. <laughs> Mac Weldon aims to make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. For 20% off your first order, visit macweldon.com and enter the promo code MissionLog at checkout. That's Mac Weldon, M A C K W E L D O N, MacWeldon.com.
0: I would be willing to bet that Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Unless you, like me, are already wearing Mac Weldon. If you're not, I do suggest you try them and you can try them risk free. If you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and Mac Weldon will still refund you no questions asked.
2: For twenty percent off your first order, visit MacWeldon dot com and enter the promo code missionlog at checkout. And a big thanks to Mac Weldon for sponsoring this week's show.
0: Incredibly exciting. Uh, that cisco is finally captain it is yeah and yet and, and yet uh, yeah and yet uh i found myself thinking of the term hollow prize uh in this
2: episode not, not a deck. not a not not a hollow suite no
0: not a happy hollow day no, no. a hollow prize are you familiar with this phrase
2: I'm not, but I, I, I think I can sort of wrap my head around what it is. So but please, please go ahead and...
0: Well, the problem that I'm having is I, I tried to look it up and I can't find it. I remember hearing about it on television and a lot of people talked about it, about um, especially for uh, former President Obama, when he was elected President of the United States. I don't know if you remember. That happened right as we were heading into the Great Recession. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. and um. Uh, the person I saw talking about this phrase on television, uh, and I wish I could remember exactly what it is, but basically the idea was you give somebody a prize and then they would open it and there was really nothing there. Or what was there was actually really bad. And uh, and uh, the particular um, person that I was talking about was like, yeah, it was like they had given Obama a hollow prize. Look at this. A black man is finally the president of the United States. Uh, right before it 's about to tumble into a financial abyss was yeah. what we all thought was going to happen at the time now i don 't think there 's anything having to do with race on that in this episode, but here we have this moment where Cisco is finally going to be named captain, and I think he gets maybe ten seconds to enjoy that right 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 and yeah. and look, deep Space nine is not the Everything's going to be fine, Star Trek, but maybe more than 10 seconds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me give you a little background on this just really quickly. In uh, Terry J. Erdman's book uh, about Deep Space Nine, he says that, uh, I think it was Ira who just said to Rick Berman, hey, uh, we want to make Cisco a captain. Okay, do it. <laughs> you know, and, and part of it was that he and Robert Hewitt Wolfe and Renee and everybody else working on the show, they were a little irked that because uh, keep in mind, Voyager had already premiered by now mm-hmm. um, that the press would write about the three captains, Kirk, Picard and Janeway. Right. And they're like, well, wait, what, what about our guy? What, you know, um, and, and there is an argument to be made that wh- whoever occupies the chair is the captain. But here we're actually talking about the rank of captain and and the the significance of him getting a uh, of him actually getting a promotion getting recognized for his work.
0: So then let me ask you a question is that the reason that you have Miles O'Brien saying here's to the newest and best captain in Starfleet? I mean is that is that them sort of doing like the uh, hey you know what
2: yeah yeah and and keep in mind O'Brien worked for Picard. I know
0: right. I yeah. mean that's the thing. Yeah. That whole that whole thing felt kind of um weird to me. Because, yes, uh, O'Brien did work under Picard, and he has had other captains before. So, I mean, it was an interesting thing. Also, uh, he's been captain for about 45 seconds. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. make me captain, yeah. and I will not screw something up in 30 seconds, and then maybe I can be the best, too. Yes,
2: yes, <laughs> it yes. Struck
0: an interesting, yeah. It struck me as an interesting assertion from O'Brien, but really what it struck me as, and I'm curious if, if you know anything about this or if you'd agree... It's basically the writers on Deep Space Nine doing what they do, which is kind of saying, hey, do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that, that line was weird for me, especially because it came from O'Brien. If it had come from Kira, who doesn't know that many captains in Starfleet, <laughs> well, fine. no, it has you to know. come from
0: a Starfleet guy, though, especially one who's been around, because if Kira says to the best captain in Starfleet, you know, anybody's going to be like, what do you know about it?
2: Yeah. right. <laughs> but but I did like her moment about, you know, not continuing to challenge him. And he just says, no, it just means I'm always right. I mean, it was a cute little. Yeah, little bad. It was totally in character for them. Yes. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, O'Brien has had uh, at least one very bad captain that we know of. Jellicoe. Uh, well, no. Uh, prior to that, it, it was the 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 guy who um, oh, he was in the battle with him, and uh, uh, and they end up singing you know Irish songs together. Yeah, I don't, I have no memory of that at all. But yeah, go no? ahead. No, okay. Yeah. Uh, but but he did serve under Picard, and, yeah. and Picard is pretty great. Uh, so <laughs> you know that I, was he's no Cisco. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it the writers thumbing their nose at? star trek lore and at, at their you know still still sort of bemoaning like oh they're the they're, they're the black sheep of the star trek family
0: right uh, or it may be the apparent you know ongoing war between uh, deep space nine and voyager whether that war was real or imagined i mean maybe they weren't thumbing their nose at anything in the past although you did also have eddington saying you don't make captain by wearing gold yeah, which right, which is now apparently true in Star Trek. Although my immediately, I was like, well, unless you're Kirk, <clears throat> yeah, or or you know Pike. The, the
2: whole yeah, of course, the whole color <laughs> thing shifts when you when you get that far up. So I I get that, but look, you could take a guy like Data who is wearing a gold uniform and make him captain if you wanted to he has been captain of the enterprise at some point you could you know just put him in the chair
0: haven't we seen captains in blue i mean it's not all it's not all red is it no okay
2: right yeah. So so you so, actually
0: can. It's just you you, can, you, yeah. you don't make a good captain Eddington. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Precisely. Yeah. There you go. Could yeah. Not yeah, yeah, not you. It's like that meme that goes around like, you know, all these people uh can be not you, Captain of the Radio. Um yeah.
0: That's great. I remember yeah. my mom saying, "Most kids can be anything they want to be, Eddington." Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. She always called me Eddington. It was my last name, and mom always <laughs> called me Eddington.
2: Now there is a line that uh that Cisco has her The uh later when he's talking to Eddington, he says, I have the assignment I want, I have the crew that I want, the rank doesn't make much difference. And there I, I there is a practical truth to that. Um Cisco is the the top dog at Deep Space Nine. He's the top dog on the Defiant. Yes, you have an ambassador there, but the ambassador doesn't outrank, uh, even if that were the real ambassador, it doesn't outrank uh, the commander of that ship, regardless of the uh, of the title that he has, regardless of the rank that he's been given. Um, I, You and I had this conversation a long time ago about Deep Space Nine, and right when we were going into Deep Space Nine. And the significance of having a black actor in a lead role on a TV show in the early 90s when there weren't that many great role models who were black men on TV leading a series. Mm -hmm. And this is a significant thing, and it's significant that he has this great son, and they have this, for the most part, pretty great relationship, even though we've seen moments (laughs) that are... Questionable, um, but overall, this played extremely well, and more than a few people pointed out, "Yeah, but he's not a captain." And then and now, I, I have to say that I was a little bit surprised. I, I understand, but I was a little bit surprised that that was a thing, simply because in my head, I didn't think of Cisco as anything less than a captain. I I always see that character as the lead guy on this show, the person in charge, the commanding officer. And honestly, when they had the scene of him getting promoted, I had to remind myself: oh, right, he's st- he's a commander. If you go by rank, mm-hmm. that's what he is. Uh, but as the uh, as the great uh, Dallas in the movie Megaforce, directed by Hal Needham in 1981, said. Oh, come on. You know, there's a big difference between rank and authority. I always saw Cisco as the authority.
0: Yeah, but there's still something to be said for the fact that they didn't make him captain. I mean, yeah. and I mean that like as far as the writers are concerned. I don't I mean, and I, I'm not going to knock him for it because here's the thing. I don't know anything about like military uh, anything. Basically, I don't know mm-hmm. if you put a captain in charge of a base or if you put a commander in charge of a base, or if you put a general in charge of a base, I don't know how that whole thing works. So I might be willing to, I mean, I say willing to let it slide. I mean, I I don't have an issue with it either way, except that every lead before has been captain, right? Commander is lower than captain. go to, um, it's weird to talk about this now, uh, but go to I spy. One of the things that was amazing about the television series, I spy was that, as far as the viewer knew, uh, uh, Robert Culp and Bill Cosby were, were on the same level. They were, both, uh, they were both agents for the agency. I don't think it was ever actually mm-hmm. called the CIA, but they were equals. But when they went out in public, um, um, the Robert Culp character was the star, and the, and the uh, and, uh, Bill Cosby character was the support. He was yeah. his trainer. He was his coach. But he was always the guy who was going to be in the background. He was never going to be the star. Right. Um, I understand why people would be upset that Cisco was not a captain. No, it doesn't change his character, but it does change. It does change his perception. It's interesting. I honestly did not realize that even while Cisco, even while Avery Brooks was on the show, even while Deep Space Nine was on the air, that people were actually writing articles about the three captains as if he weren't that because yeah. it's yeah. made up. well exactly for all intents and purposes he's captain it's i i I honestly think it's good that they went ahead and gave him the rank uh i just wish you know it hadn't been um no time to enjoy it though
2: yeah yeah uh robert hewitt wolf said hey i i would have just made him admiral already Uh, i would have kept promoting him um uh, based on what well i i don't I think i necessarily agree with that but yeah
0: admirals yeah. are terrible so i don't think i would do that yeah. hey a uh, really quick question um i'm not I, I will say having said all that about how he should have been captain a long time ago i'm yeah. not really sure he's cut out for it because <laughs> <laughs> because the ambassador who let me check the org chart uh no mm-hmm. no nope, that's not a rank i don't believe in starfleet nope. uh, comes in and says uh, here's your mission and apparently uh, he didn't even check it with Starfleet before he went on. He didn't even call anybody <laughs> and he be like, so listen, I know you know we're all going off to Zinkathy's space, so I want to make sure you know who's in charge while I'm gone. And wouldn't Starfleet then have gone, why are you going to Zinkathy's space?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it was because he heard the Zinkathy was so good. <laughs> that uh, No, it it's the Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. Gesundheit. Thank you. Um... Hey, you liked The Thing,
0: uh, right? Which thing are we talking about?
2: Uh, John Carpenter's Thing.
0: Oh, oh, I thought you meant like uh, from Fantastic Four or the thing we were talking about that we couldn't show.
2: <laughs> no, I'm talking about The Thing. Yeah, I, um, I do
0: like The Thing, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, there was definitely a, a bit of uh, influence uh, from that movie, 1982. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. Kurt Russell. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley and, uh, and a scary horror action movie. Um, yeah, I, you know, that, that was something that stuck with me right away as soon as we're trying to figure out who's who and there's, uh, a, basically a monster on the loose and in, in an enclosed space. Uh, I immediately thought of that movie and, you know, not surprised to see that the writers had seen that movie too. <laughs> and we're, we're thinking about that as they were crafting this story. Um, No other comment there, other than just to say, um, Changelings, uh, look, I know you're not going to, because I know I got four more seasons of DS9 to go, but uh, just chill, because, you know, come on, I I, I know that you're hurt, I know that you're lashing out against the universe because you're hurt, uh, that you were wronged in the past, but um, this is all Alpha Quadrant stuff, totally different side of the galaxy for you, and yet you're lashing out like you've been hurt. Just chill. Just, uh, you know, enjoy your new planet. Enjoy the new great link you got somewhere else. It'll be all right.
1: Speech exercise number three. The professor did profess. Progress was a mess. Progress was a thing to do. Something, something, something. Progress two. We do not have to repeat that one.
0: The adversary, John. The show is called The Adversary. I've been calling it the Adversary. Have you really? I was I was actually calling it the Adversary. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> but we progress along. Uh, obviously called the adversary because there's an adversary on the ship, right? Uh, and I guess yes. you could say like, oh, but we don't know who the adversary is, but it doesn't really matter because we do in the end and, you know, we get the adversary and oh, what a time we have. Um, time now to talk about the, uh, the episode itself, the messengers, morals, meanings, uh, whether we feel like the episode, uh, holds up, whether it stands the test of time. I'm going to jump the gun and say, uh, this is our last, uh, episode of mission log, you and me. Before uh, you go on to, you know, keep doing Mission Log and I go off to do something else. And and I really feel like we we owe it to people to do another episode of Mission Log uh, with with an episode that one of us at least likes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's, that's fair. Do we, I, I tell you what, you, you're going to have some free time. Um, <laughs> I'll be so? watching. Well, probably not, but I, <laughs> I'll be watching all along and like, and I'll, I'll watch one and I'll go, Oh wait, here's one that maybe we both like, and <laughs> you know, I'll give you a call in like two years and say, yeah. hey, check this one out. Let Let's talk about this. Yeah. And we'll just slide that one into the feed.
0: That's possible. Sure. We can do that. Or we can just go back and watch one that we watched before. You know, Duet. Like, yeah. I,
2: I, a friend of mine, Duet. actually, you know him. Duet. Uh, Duet. Uh, uh, a friend of mine just watched that for the first time the other day, and uh, just we, we had a great conversation about that. He was so effusive about how how well written, how well acted, um, all the the metaphors, everything. And I'm like, dude, just just go listen to Mission Log.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. it'd be great actually if you had been like hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for no good reason at all yeah. um uh, 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 what what do you get from this episode? do you want to start with the production part of it um uh, that's usually what we do uh as a production does the episode hold up as far as you're concerned
2: um well i see i'm I'm so ambivalent about this episode because um I try to approach every episode of Star Trek that we do for Mission Log the way that Roger Ebert would approach a movie and mm-hmm. say. Does this live up to the standard it set for itself? Do, does this accomplish what it set out to do? And and if you tell me that this episode just sets out to be a story full of tension about paranoia, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it does that in some places. But here's the thing: I also feel like because it's science fiction, because it's Star Trek we've done this before where you have who's the real one, which one do we kill? And it doesn't feel like new ground for me. So even though it's not new ground, they do build tension in some interesting ways Mm -hmm. in a few of those scenes, but overall it doesn't really add up. It doesn't really hold up for me. So look, they, they nail good moments. They ratchet up tension, they build the paranoid mood. They, and they keep us guessing a bit. And, and I was really pleased with those scenes on the first watch that kept me guessing. So that, that was nice. Um, the problem I have with this is what would it have been like in the writer's room if this story were an outside pitch? Now, I understand that they were working against a deadline here, that, that their original plan they had to scrap. And here it is a week before you go into pre-production and you have to deliver something to your pre-production team so they can, like, build sets and do makeup and effects visualization and all of that. Um, so they're really, really behind uh, the eight ball. But had somebody written this script as it is on spec, handed it into the writer's room, would the writers and producers said, yeah, it's been done before. And, and why are we doing a standalone now? And, and what do we learn at the end of all of this. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that they're asking those questions for every episode. Um, So as a standalone that builds some tension, yeah, it it works. But, but then I ask, is that all we got? You know, uh, how many times before, like I said, in science fiction or fantasy, do we follow the story of the double and we have to figure out which one it is. And when you do that, there's not a whole lot of replay value in it. I don't feel like there's a lot to learn from it. Now, they do manage to squeeze in a little intrigue about the changelings, but even that felt tacked on just by doing the last we're everywhere. It's too late. Okay. So you're setting us up for what could come down the road. Um, and by the way, there is something a little strange about the setup in this story. I love that you pointed out uh, the the fact that um, nobody checks the orders with <laughs> Starfleet. So we really we have no investment in the Kathy at all. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I realize that it's just a MacGuffin and it, it's just an excuse to get everybody on the ship, but it's so far removed from what's going on. And I actually, I think the first time watching it, I actually forgot at one point what the pretense was that got us all on the Defiant. I, I'm just at a certain point, I just kind of zoned out and I was like, wait, where are they going again? Why, why Why are they all together here? You know, because any other episode, you just go like, oh, yeah, and then they forced Quark in here because it's contractual obligation. <laughs> so we're saying something about trading with the Dominion, whatever. Um, so the episode, it's not a mess. It just doesn't really add up to anything significant at the end. It's just... Figure out who the guy is. That's the guy. We got to kill the guy. Mm -hmm. But if that's all you set out to do, and if it's just an exercise in building tension and suspicion, they achieve that. They definitely do. I, I just don't think I would watch it again because that's literally all I got out of it. So under its own design, it holds up. As a piece of Star Trek, to get me into the story of DS9, it doesn't. I, it's just it's just a thing that happens. And then we're done, and then we move on. Which I realize, as I say that, is also a lot of Star Trek. It's a thing that happens, and then we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but my feel for DS9 is a bit different. Because there are bigger arcs, there are longer stories here... And the one shred of that that we get is kind of tacked on at this point. And, and I know that that there are elements about the changelings that will come back to us down the road. But again, just looking at this episode as it is, where we are in the process, and especially because we're at the end of season three, it, it's a bit of a letdown. And you?
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm there. um mm especially because it does mean something to turn Cisco into the captain. That means something that should mean something. And there should be time to reflect about that. There should be time for the viewers to reflect about that. There should be time for Cisco to reflect about that. There should be, that should be a bigger deal. And that that's like the two minutes at the beginning of the episode and then, you know, the stuff at the end. I mean, you say it's tacked on. I feel like it's been their, their go to position, uh, since the end of season one. No, we're gonna, there's a boogeyman out there called the Dominion. And at the end of uh, season two, there's the whole thing with the Vorta. And, uh, oh, there's a boogeyman out there that's gonna get you. And you have no idea how big and bad this is. And they just keep bringing that up every now and then. And it gets, it's, it gets tiring. Uh, get to it already. Yeah. Or, quit talking about it one or the other you know what spend a season not even mentioning the dominion and then find out that we are completely surrounded they're yeah. like the right now they're a bit like the romulans except they do have the gem hadar but i remember you like at the end of uh, season one of deep space no, uh, i'm sorry of, of tng
2: tng mm-hmm.
0: basically the romulans are like well, we're back right yeah, the Dominion do keep doing that every five <laughs> minutes. It keeps yeah. being like, "Oh, the Dominion," uh, but you're all going to be fine because you yeah. know you're in the opening credits, so don't worry. But oh, scary, but not really scary. Oh, but yeah. dangerous, not really dangerous for you. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's kind of like you know it's the same thing over and over again. Um, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. I mean, first of all, if they hadn't shoehorned uh, making uh, Cisco Captain in mm-hmm. with this story. This would also probably be a better episode in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe it's what you were talking about, about, you know, they had expected to do a cliffhanger. Um, we expect something more from a season finale, I think. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, this one just sort of like, had this happened in the middle of the season, I think you and I still would have been disappointed, but I don't think we'd have been nearly as disappointed. Because, you know, well, there's something else happening next week, or maybe it's leading to something else, or, you know, at 26 in a season, they can't all be winners. Do right. You expect the 26th, or the 25th, whichever it is, to be a winner. And yeah. uh, and uh, sadly, it wasn't. Now, I will say there was one thing that I liked, and it's not a moral, it's not even so much a gem, but I do, I do like the lesson that Kira has to learn in here. It, it was fascinating to me that uh, you know that they say uh, uh the the dominion is trying to start a war between the federation and the zencathy and kira is like yeah the zencathy are doing fine with that and then Cisco's like we don't know that mm. you know it's easy to it's easy to get distracted by the thing in front of you and and you and i sitting here right now john see politicians do this all the time right now here's the issue one person will say and another person will say, well, you're forgetting about this thing. Yeah, right. Well, no, I'm not. I'm actually dealing with this issue. We can talk about that in a moment if that actually ends up being a thing. Or if you want to go talk about that, that's fine. But but there is a, I mean, the truth in this episode is they don't know what truth is. Yeah. But Cisco is holding on to the fact that not knowing what truth is, they have to try to figure out what it actually is. Whereas Kira, her knee-jerk reaction is, we don't know what truth is, so I'm going to go chase this thing because that thing might be dangerous, too. Right. Um, I kind of like that. That was an interesting moment that resonated with me. Not even close to the point of the episode. <laughs> uh, the, the point of the episode is to fill 48 minutes and uh, and yep. uh, stay cool and have a great summer.
2: Yeah, and kill the bad guy.
0: Yeah. Well, that, too. You know? That, too. Yeah. Although, Wow. You really you, you just couldn't have even guessed that Odo was gonna be the one to hurt
2: the changeling, could you? Oh, I thought changelings didn't hurt changelings. Yeah, he
0: thought that that's that's propaganda crap, by the way.
2: You know no, it has to be, to be fair, yeah. To be fair, that other changeling was hurting Odo by, by forcing. Well that, no, he uh, was, he was trying link. to
0: talk to him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At the point of pointy, pointy hands, he was trying to talk to him and, and make Odo understand. Uh, that's, that's, that's probably the best bit of propaganda ever. Changeling's walking around going, no, Changeling has ever heard a Changeling.
2: Really? So you're saying that scene that, that scene was the Changeling equivalent of, I'm not yelling, I'm just saying.
0: Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> I don't, don't want uh-huh. what's, to, what's Big Boy Caprice's line? I don't want to kill you. Don't make me do it
2: yeah right all
0: right well yeah thank you very much for uh thank you very much for that
2: uh hey but uh great engine room set yeah I, my my hat is off to them that is a great set yeah so yeah and and phaser rifles and that
0: will so. be back you're saying as an engine room set
2: uh yeah it uh, shockingly it will oh, fair it enough will. yeah mission log is produced by roddenberry entertainment executive producer rod roddenberry you can check out the Roddenberry Podcast Network and all the shows that are a part of the network. There's Mission Log, Mission Log Live, Women at War, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and shabam! Shabam! All that podcast.roddenberry.com. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash missionlog. And for more Star Trek news and discussion, be sure to visit trekmovie.com
0: Coming up on Mission Log, The Way of the warrior.
1: Some of the music for Mission Log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. To keep up to date with everything happening with Mission Log, listen to Mission Log Live, available where you get podcasts. And be sure to visit the show's site, MissionLogPodcast.com. And transmission.
2: Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.